It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. So the Gunners have grabbed the first silverware of the season, sharper from the spot than City to win the Community Shield at Wembley. But despite Arsenal perhaps laying down an early marker, everyone knows the Community Shield means one thing. The Premier League season has arrived. The start of another campaign of ups and downs, shocks, surprises, drama and delight. And we'll be with you for the ride here on the award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. We'll be bringing you our predictions for season 23-24 later this week. So hit subscribe and keep an eye out for that. But on today's show, we'll get stuck into the latest transfer news as Forest, West Ham and Spurs are all in the market. And of course, we'll have the standard Saudi League stories too. My name's Niall. Welcome along to the show. And Joel and Marley are here having had a weekend to recover from my incredible artistic skills in the quiz last week. Morning, boys. <laughs> While I was seeing his potatoes everywhere after that Harry Kane. <laughs> I, did, I did have a roast dinner yesterday and there was quite a chunky potato and I thought... <laughs> If I put a bit of broccoli on his head and send it to Joel, is he going to guess that oh, it's Harry Kane? I'll send it to Marley, I'll probably get it. <laughs> I'll get it. Marley would get the answer. I'll get it. Yesterday oh. was a write-off. It was end of season awards on Saturday night. Did so. you pull any in? No, I couldn't win goal of the season because I didn't score any goals. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're all in friendly games, weren't they? All yeah, all, all mine come in friendlies. I got nine in friendlies, so happy days. Oh, well, you got a few in our competitive ones, so you I did. Take yeah. that. You're top like sport, the Anthony Martial of your club, just... Absolutely bangs in pre-season. I'm in, I'm in a better <laughs> season mood comes more around. Often than Anthony Martial. <laughs> Less girlfriends as well than <laughs> Anthony Martial. <laughs> Slightly more solid love life than the Frenchman. Um, let's talk about the Community Shield, which did take place at the weekend. Whilst Marley was hung over on the sofa, no doubt he took in the action at Wembley as... Normally, the Community Shield is the FA Cup winners against the Premier League winners. Man City won both last season. They won the treble, of course. So it's Arsenal, the runners-up in the Premier League, who were their opponents. And Arsenal beat them on penalties in the end to win the trophy, the first silverware of the season. Did you learn much from this game, Joel? I know there's a trophy on the line at the end of it. Two of the top teams in England last season going head-to-head. It's at Wembley in front of a big crowd. But is it anything more than just the final preseason game. It's one of those games where if you lose it, 
you say I don't care it was a friendly if you win it we're going to win everything next season <laughs> that's the way it goes it's just such a big pendulum swinger of a game um, but you know like Pep Guardiola said at the end of the game they've lost their last three Community Shield finals which hasn't really affected any of their trophy halls at all in the seasons after it but watching Arsenal and City now you can you can so tell that Arteta is a bit of a cloth off Guardiola because it feels like a clone team mm. it feels like they cancel each other out for those first 20 minutes I literally started dozing off yeah I was bored and that's not to say they're bad teams but they're cancelling each other out I was bored I'd agree with you because you know City were trying to play out the back yeah. and you know credit to Arteta who's playing in a 4-4-2 defensively which meant that they couldn't overload the midfield and it just felt like they were passing 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 around the goalkeeper to the defender and not there was there was no real action. It, I feel like their games this season are going to be very, very cautious and really um, cagey because it just seems like the, the exact same team. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think for Arteta, this is probably, it probably means more than it does for Guardiola. If anyone saw Guardiola's face when he went up to collect his loser's medal, I think this hurts more to him. And you could see he was a little bit tense in his post-match press conference because it's Arteta, mm. he hates lo- losing anything to Arteta. It's like it's like almost you know like your younger brother or sister getting one over you in <laughs> a football say, game or yeah. something. And you hate it because you know yeah. I'm the better one. I've proved it, and yet this younger guy is yeah, taking yeah. my limelight. That's how it feels like to me yeah. and Guardiola. That dynamic between them. Let's not forget they were really good friends yeah, back yeah. at City News. He's assistant manager. Yeah, I don't co-man. think Pep feels betrayed or anything no, like no, no, that. No, no, I no. think he would have been stupid not to know that Mikel Arteta wanted to go on and become a manager himself. But I do see what you're saying. You do it's feel that sense of now. resentment because yeah, of their yeah, success. Yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, did you see enough in Arsenal, Marley, from what you watched to suggest that they will be competing for the title again? Yeah, they, they should be. Um, I mean, the money they've spent makes makes them have to be there, really. You know, you can't spend that much money. I think they've spent, is it 400 million since Arteta got there? Um, something like that. And it's it has to come with, with something. It has to come with some sort of... Uh, raised level of expectation, but I don't know. I think they were okay, Arsenal. But I still, I still look at the team and, and don't understand it. Like I think Rice played with Thomas Partey in midfield, and like Thomas played the the holding role, which Rice has played his whole career. And Rice played like left centre midfield, and I was just like, that's that doesn't really get the best out of Rice. That makes no sense to me. And then Havertz played up front, uh, stank the place out again. Was absolutely useless. Um, there was one part where it made, I was watching it with me, uh, brother-in-law and, and father-in-law, and Odegaard had the ball on the uh, touchline, and he kept it in, and he skinned um, Kovacic, and he, he got away from like two challenges, and he did really well, and he passed it to Havertz. Havertz t- took one touch and just got tackled straight away. And I was like, <laughs> Odegaard's just worked so hard to get out of that little spot, and he's given it to a £65 million midfielder, who's got his back to goal and just runs, I think he ran straight into uh, Brodery, I think it was. I just, I don't, I don't quite get it, but Arsenal should still be there or thereabouts. It's, it's, um, it's their time to sort of push on now. And I think, yeah, even if they don't win it this season, if, if they wait it out to Guardiola leaves and City have a natural dip, mm. they should be there to pick up the pieces. But Liverpool, you could argue, have been trying to do that for ages and they did win one Premier League title in 2020. But Jurgen Klopp has yeah, been but... trying to get close to Pep Guardiola and Pep just hasn't left. So, yeah, you know, you where... then run the risk of falling off the edge of a cliff until Pep leaves, which nobody knows when that will happen. Yeah, but time would like sort of... 
suggest that it should be in the next two years, three years. Pep's completed English football now. The yeah, only thing yeah. he's got left to do is maybe an invincible season. That's or the win the treble thing. twice, I think. Yeah. Become an outright yeah. double treble winner. Yeah. Um, but as like, if he left now, you could still have him in that conversation of best Premier League manager of all time. Whether he wins it or not is his personal opinion. But, mm. you know, it's he's up there now. But Liverpool peaked when City peaked, which is the... Just, just bad just luck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bare unlucky, yeah. I mean, they, they, they got 97 <laughs> points and didn't win the league. That's, that's, and they were you know fantastic how, as well. Do you know how funny that is? Though? <laughs> they were playing it's funny, football. but it's galling for that yeah, fans yeah. of that team. How can you be that good and not win the league? They won... Well, they did win it the one when, Sorry, yeah, like win the league more, I meant. Mm. But, you know, how many times would you win the league? Like 100% of the time any other year, pretty much. Yeah. Um well, it's never happened before and it probably won't happen again. Yeah. Premier League title race, two teams that close to 100 points. Let's move on to Pep Guardiola then. He said Manchester City, he feels are further away from the Premier League title than ever before, under his tenure anyway. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that's just classic Pep talk? Did you think they missed Mares? Did you think they missed Ilkay Gundogan yesterday in the Community Shield? Well, the last time he made those sorts of comments was when he was basically challenging his team to say, we're not up for the title and he ended up smashing it. <laughs> so I don't think you should take Guardiola's comments with like 100% clarity because he knows deep down that this is something that he wants more than anything. But I do think City are really short going into this new season just because there's a, I feel like there's a lot of voids going on where I think the fact that Gundogan's left I know Kovacic is a good player, but he, I don't think he's half the player of what Gundogan is. Just in terms of being in the system that Guardiola wants, it's going to take a bit of time, I think, for him to start bedding in. It's, it takes time for a lot of players to bed in, to be honest. And the fact that they put in an 80, 90 million bid in for Rice shows me that they still want some kind of midfielder who can almost replace those shoes and almost give a little bit of reinforcement to De Bruyne as well, because he's not getting any younger. Um, I do think the team dynamic will change a lot when Guardiola comes in just mm. because he's excellent passer. Confirmed um, over the weekend. Yeah, I think that's a massive, massive coup for them. But I still think they're lacking in their attacking areas quite a lot, I can't lie. Um, especially because Mares, although he was he was used quite sporadically, he was that weapon you could bring off the bench if you needed to unlock a defence if it's nil-nil with 80, with 80 minutes. And you know he's going to produce something. That's why they've been linked with the likes of Jeremy Doku, for example, from Ren, a guy who's very skillful on the wing. You can unlock a defence, create a piece of magic. I think they still need that kind of player, the guy who can just create a piece of magic in a moment. Because right now, they all have very similar moles. You know, Grealish is a guy who kind of, yeah. you know, he glides around the ball. <laughs> Foden, another guy, a similar kind of mole. Bernardo Silva, similar kind of mole. I think they need a direct Leroy Sane Doku type well, could he go play? back? Could I, Leroy Sane go back to Manchester City? I'd I'd like to see that. I think I'd, I'd, from what I sort of gather, I don't think he's set the world alight at Bayern. He's been a bit moody and stuff. But then again, with with Mane leaving, probably well, has he left Mane? Yeah, has he gone? gone? Has he gone? So I mean, they probably won't sell two wingers in in one summer. But if they want to fund a Harry Kane move and and um, mm. you know shift some money, then Sane back to City could be a good uh, a good bit of business. Well, here's an interesting question, I suppose, about Manchester City. I'm just looking at their starting 11 and subs from yesterday's Community Shield loss. Ortega in goal. Edison was on the bench. He was good, Ortega. I mean, he's very good with his feet. Mm. So, I mean, is there uncertainty there over who the starting goalkeeper is? No. Kyle Walker played right back. Now, we've heard all summer that he might well leave Manchester City. Yet he's starting the final preseason game. We wouldn't put it past Pep to start him next Friday against Burnley in that first Premier League game of the season. Bernardo Silva... I saw him in the starting eleven, and 
there were question marks over his future, not just this summer, but the last two transfer windows. And then you what's, look at the what's bet. What's Bernardo done to his hair, by the way? Shaved it all off by the looks of it. It looks like the, the first cut I did after, like, during lockdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? You do it yourself. No, my missus had to do it. <laughs> well, like a I fresh, get out, the angles, fresh out of prison haircut. Just yeah. number one all over. Yeah, straight yeah, over. I'm, tan on the forehead. <laughs> yeah, I got called Sinead O'Connor for about a week. Because uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Sinead. Love, love Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, what are you saying? Go I was on. saying... <laughs> <laughs> um, Laporte's on the bench as well. We've heard that he wants to leave the club. Is this as uncertain as you've seen a Manchester City squad under Pep? Because I can kind of see what he's saying. I know you're saying he's trying to kind of G them up and say, you know, are they up for it? That's his job as manager. But also, I do think he's got a very clear point, which is... Up in the air type There's of a lot thing. of uncertainty around Yeah, as uncertain up in the air as they've ever been. In terms of treble winning sides, I think it's so hard to G up the players again to go again, even when you bring in new players. But I think for Pep... I sense a bit of panic at the fact that the system players that he has, the ones he was trusted for so long, Gundogan's gone. Bernardo Silva's been flirting about leaving for quite a while now. Kyle Walker's such a specialist in his right-back position. Um, I think he's starting to worry that if these players start forcing moves and these teams start offering the right offers for them, which are acceptable, he's not going to be able to get anyone. Like he's mentioned, if they want to replace Bernardo Silva and Kyle Walker, they're going to have to spend about 150 million to replace them. And I genuinely don't know what kind of plays they can find for that much, to be honest. Because like I said, that he trusts them so much. Kyle Walker's one of the best ever Premier League right backs. Bernardo Silva's one of the best Premier League players I've seen. And to replace those kinds of instrumental players who've just won a treble for you, I think he is a little bit nervous because who do you go and get for a light, light for light replacement? There's no guy like Bernardo Silva. There's no real right back I can see in the world of football like Kyle Walker, unless you go for someone like Joshua Kimmich and put him at right back. I don't know. There's, that's why I think he's a little bit tentative going into this season. It feels like their team isn't secure. There's a lot of a lot of players looking to the side and looking at other options. Whereas last summer, everyone was nailed on, you know, going to retain the league. Uh, sorry, going and doing the three-peak, going for the Champions League. And now just feels like players are getting their heads turned and no one really wants to buy into the project that were originally there, which is a bit of a worry for them. Well, if Pep Guardiola says that he feels his side are far away from the Premier League title, conversely, Mikel Arteta said after the game that the mental block has gone. What do you think he meant by that, Marley? Because all towards the end of last season, Arsenal fans refused to succumb to the accusations of bottling the Premier League title. But yet here he is having won the Community Shield saying that the mental block is gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. There, there is a a thing around Man City of like, how do we beat them? And they do look unbeatable when, they, when they're flowing and when they put, you know, four or five past teams without even trying. It's the natural question is, Jesus, how do we beat this team? Like, how do we even lay a glove on them? But, you know, Arsenal stayed in the game. They had, they had decent chances. City weren't at the best and... You know, they got the lucky goal at the end with the deflection um, that comes off a of Kanji and goes past um, Ortega and then they were favourites as soon as the whistle went because Man City and penalties just don't mix um, at all. They've had penalty struggles with um, just taking normal penalties in games. They haven't got a regular taker. Uh, Harland was obviously off the pitch as well, so he couldn't take one. But that's um, that's big for Arteta, I think, is... is his philosophy has worked so far. Like last season, they were the best team in the league for, you know, eight of the nine months, mm. pretty much. 
Um, and then they just ran out of steam at the end and, and started <laughs> overthinking everything and bottling <coughs> it. Well, bottling I was going to say, thank you. I, thought, I thought, have you changed as well? You now no. said run out of steam, beaten by a better Manchester City team, which they were. But yeah. when you're in control of the Premier League and you lose control, yeah. by definition, that is choking it. You're not allowed to say it this day and age. No. But, you know, it's not fair because no one expected Arsenal to win the title. But they got themselves into that position. That's what yeah. people say. No, it's different now because they've got the expectations. So. But is it an early marker, this win? Is it first blood against Manchester City or is it just... If anything, it might make Man City better when they, when they meet in the league, which is worrying. Um, City are renowned to be quite slow, though. I mean, yeah, they, they always start. They, they start always play slow. Tottenham away. Everyone thinks they're <laughs> going to lose one yeah, 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 yeah. And then suddenly, <laughs> after Christmas time, they become a Mich- an Ivan Drago was machine. It, was it yeah. three or four years ago, maybe even sooner than that, when they were 10th at Christmas and they went on to win the league? The, uh, the one where Liverpool, on the last day, we went to the last day. That was the season yeah, where they kind Points to yeah. 97, yeah. Was yeah. it, yeah. yeah? They won 15 in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unreal. <laughs> Something like that, mental, but yeah. I've got one last point on this. How insufferable is Mikel Arteta on the touchline oh. to watch? He got booked pretty much Jesus. straight away, so didn't he? So many Wet. times last He's, season. Last season he wound me up. Obviously, like, yeah, didn't watch him every week, but you see him on, you see him on match of the day and stuff, yeah. and it's just... He's always there. But his passion, though, Literally, mate. His passion. Oh. No, but he was getting in oh, the way no of pleasure. He gets on I remember nerves. when De Bruyne, when City went away to Arsenal, and he literally was on the pitch, and De yeah. Bruyne pushed him away. Yeah. I think it's a way to try and get in, in the heads of other players, you know, because when he's really animated. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm glad they're cracking down on that because so many times he was interfering. Well, the ref yeah. had none of it, booked him straight away, and we actually will talk about some of the changes in directives for referees in the Premier League for this upcoming season later on in today's podcast. But next, we're going to talk about the latest Premier League transfer news. Who's been trying to buy some new players? We'll talk about it after this here on Football Social Daily. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall, Joel and Marley are with me. And as we have been doing all summer, we're going to get stuck into the latest Premier League transfer news. And we're going to begin at Nottingham Forest, who have been far less on the agenda in podcasts this summer than they were last season, where they were making signings left, right and centre. It's goalkeepers at the moment. 
that Nottingham Forest are interested in. They're in talks to sign former Leicester stopper Kasper Schmeichel from Nice. They're also set to sign Arsenal's backup goalkeeper Matt Turner, which means that David Raya can complete his move from Brentford to Arsenal to replace the outgoing American. This is a goalkeeping transfer triangle, Marley. Yeah, a bit strange. More more weird stuff from Nottingham Forest. Um, Kasper Schmeichel is terrible. He's been on the slide for a while and then he went to Nice and he's been terrible at Nice. I don't know why. I think they're just... They're signing him for what he what they remember him as because at one point he was class like 2017, 2018 and slightly before that when they won the league and stuff. He was brilliant. He was probably the best goalie outside the sort of the biggest names in the league like Allison and Edison and etc. And he was brilliant, but now he's 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 not. <laughs> but if they sign him, then fine. Matt Turner, who knows? It's, a, it's the step up, isn't it? I think if Forrest won a goalie, then Dean Henderson is the man it has to be, really. Um, I've heard they're still wanting to sign him, so I don't know what the plan I'm doing with three goalkeepers. But is it the experience of Schmeichel? Maybe that's what they're looking for, but bringing a character into the squad. For for what point though? Like it's a it's don't they also have a Midlands rivalry with Leicester? Yeah, I thought like that, that. But and I think Forest is more Derby. They don't like Derby, and I think as much as they enjoy beating Leicester, mm. it's like Middlesbrough Newcastle sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's a secondary rivalry, but not a true kind of. True rivalry. Yeah. Oh, well, I I don't think they need him. Um, I think as long as... Well, as much as Arsenal don't need David Raya. (laughs) It feels like we're talking about three goalkeepers who probably aren't needed. Ramsdale was good yesterday as well. He had a a decent... Nearly got lobbed by Rodri, which would have been hilarious. Um, But he made a a couple of good saves. Onana Uh, got lobbed in Man United's pre-season game at the weekend. Yeah. We don't talk about that. I can't wait to talk about that because that guy is going to be hilarious to watch, especially for us as non-Man United fans. Yeah, but for Joel more, coming yeah. in every Monday when these goalies made a clanger. Yeah, keep more clean sheets than the Newcastle keeper. Oh, I, oh that oh. could be a bet. I tell you what. That well, could be a, our next little We'll do our predictions later on this week. So keep them inside for now. Ooh, and we'll talk teaser. about who we think is going to finish top of the Premier League, who's going to finish in the Champions League, who's going down and all the dark horses on an episode of Football Social Daily later this week. So hit subscribe if you're listening now and you won't miss it and you'll hear Joel and Marley's wild shouts <laughs> about who's going to do better. already put Jim down, so who's Man next? United and Newcastle United. It's also a bit strange over at West Ham at the moment because no one knows what's going on there. They haven't seemed to really sign anyone this summer. They've made an approach to Bournemouth for their striker, Dominic Solanke, according to local media, and the local press say that that move has been rejected. The sort of player West Ham need, Joel? I mean, would he fit at London Stadium? That's a David Moyes profiling player. There's clear <laughs> conflict in the club at the moment between the new director, uh, Tim Stighton and Moyes. Clear, clear conflict because uh, Tim Stighton, when he was at Leverkusen, he was really excellent in uncovering, uncovering you know, these young, talented players who Xabi Alonso would then go and bring into the first team. And now... You're seeing West Ham being linked to all of these, you know, the kind of Premier League trudges like James Ward-Prowse, Scott McTominay, Harry Maguire, all these kinds of players. It just feels like he wants these very secure, you know, just safe. steady Eddie kind yeah. of, yes, very safe, very cautious ones. Whereas 
Uh, their technical directors obviously going for example uh, going for for example Edson Alvarez who I think is a really good player and there's been a lot of articles now where it's saying they finally agree to sign him almost like you have to truly convince him mm-hmm. that he's the right player over James Ward-Prowse I mean apart from his set pieces I don't really see what James Ward-Prowse offers on the pitch and then you look at Edson Alvarez who got linked to all the top clubs last summer he's been very very good for Ajax nearly went to Man United didn't he at one point yeah and he was linked with Chelsea nearly got a Chelsea move until we ended up gutting Ajax out (laughs) on the final few days Um, but again why don't you listen to the guy who knows football I think sometimes with probably managers like Moyes their ego in terms of how long they've been in football feels like they have a better say than a younger technical director yeah I can imagine yeah. the technical it's like, director it's, it's the dinosaur pa- versus yeah you exactly know, the, that the, the power dynamic or whatever right. exactly. I don't like that <laughs> I just thought of the newest invention I can yeah. hoverboard <laughs> it's exactly that it's, it's the like, floppy disk against the cloud right? yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. ones. it's literally that it's a power dynamic where he probably looks at this guy coming in and saying David, I've just seen this new guy from um, from Ajax. He's a really upcoming Mexican defender, centre midfielder, and he'll be like, he's not Rice, he's not English, I don't want him. Mm. And- he wants total control, doesn't he, over transfers, over football operations. David Moyes quite clearly wants total control. Yeah. He doesn't and want to we swap were- Rice for a burrito, does he? <laughs> <laughs> get, get him off. We were- <laughs> that was cheap. Shocker. We were quite surprised that David Moyes stayed at West Ham, weren't we, really, as a collective? And he'll even be gone Jim, by who's Christmas. Our- resident West Ham fan is pretty surprised and almost annoyed actually that David Moyes stuck around and the club clearly are trying to move in a certain direction and I'm not saying that they should bin off David Moyes now right before the start of the season but there's obviously friction there which maybe is holding the hammers back in terms of the direction they want to go in. Especially after they've just won a trophy. That Mm. was the biggest pinnacle and the biggest peak of their history for quite a long, long time. And was that the best time to say, David, thanks for your efforts, you've done amazing, you've won us a trophy, but let's go in a different direction? Potentially, potentially. But even still, they should have had a contingency plan in place. So, you know, after the Conference League final against Fiorentina, Declan Rice was clearly somewhere else. This is West Ham you're talking about. Contingency plan and West Ham. But in terms of just logic, after that game, why was there no meeting to say who are replacing Declan Rice with? Why has it gotten until the week before the season ends with 100-odd million in the bank because Skamaka's just left? They've got no replacement for Skamaka. They've got no replacement for Declan Rice. David Moyes is probably going to get sacked in the first few weeks, I think, because you can't make no new signings in the Premier League. You're going to get found out so quick. Well, they really wanted Joao Paulinho from Fulham and he got injured quite badly, hurt his shoulder, and he's going to be out for the first few weeks, maybe even months of the season. Even that makes no sense, though. Well, it's like it's such a sideways move. Well, you say it makes like, no sense. Okay, they just need someone to replace Europa Rice until they? we go out in November. Uh, it's, but the, but Stighton's getting the right profile, and David Moyes is rebuffing every single attempt that he's trying to do. David Moyes has clearly said, "Actually, I want Ward Prowse because, like we said, he's safe, mm. very, very safe." And then Stighton's probably saying, "Well, why should we pay forty million out of our budget for a player that is not going to replace Rice?" Yeah. Not even half of Rice. At least with Edson Alvarez, a bit of a physical stance, a stature in midfield, and then get a different kind of profile next to him. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute mess. I think with West Ham, they'll he'll 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 be gone by Christmas. Probably probably way before Christmas. Before, they, yeah. they they lose three out of the first five, three out of the first well first three games of the season. He'll be right under pressure, and, and you know it'll how be hard. Stadium it'll be so turns hard. as well. Yeah, it'd be so hard for him to keep his job because the fans will just go, "Who who signed no one?" Like. Is it Moyes? Is it the director of football? You can't tell me that the director of football isn't 
like you said, coming up with profiles and saying, we should go for this guy, it'll cost us 25 million. And then you've got the the old dinosaur going, no, I want James Ward-Prowse. It's like, you tell us you want James Ward-Prowse, but then the board goes and says, we'll give you 20 million for him. And it's like, Southampton are well within the rights to go, f- off. 20 million? Yeah. No chance? Like, yeah. we'll keep him? Because 20 million for Ward-Prowse is crap because he just, he'll just he get them out of the championship because he'll be good in that league. And he's Southampton through and through, so he doesn't really want to leave. Um, and there's no better offers on the table for him. So I think he'll just stay because there's nothing at West Ham to attract him other than, do you want to be in the Europa League till Christmas yeah, before who, you get who's beat? Who's going to want to go in that? I'm just looking at the first few, uh, it's just, three fixtures yeah. now. Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Brighton away. But then after that, and they've then got City Manchester, and Liverpool. Got Manchester just City, after, Liverpool. It could be done after those first five games because right now <laughs> on paper their team is this season almost. It's first eight games, isn't it? We always say that first eight games of the season, first eight ten games. That's when you know if a manager is going to stay. Unless you mentioned Scott those Parker. games, but <laughs> mid September to the start of October, Man City, Liverpool, Sheffield United, Newcastle, Aston Villa. You know, you're talking about teams mainly who finished in the top seven of the Premier League last season. They better absolutely pump Bournemouth on that first day of the season because I can't see where they're getting points from Bourne, after Bournemouth that. Bournemouth are going to be impressive. Bournemouth will do all right. Iriola yeah, will I, I, be I think he's a bit of a dark horse for me this season. I think West Ham will get pumped on that first. Save it for the prediction the Bourne, show. But, you know, we know I love the, the, the Bournemouth away first fixture, the South Coast heat, you know, it's like it's <laughs> getting ready me. for Premier League. You don't League. need to tell me about the South Coast <laughs> and what the weather's like. Trust me on that, Joel. You really do not. Um... You can hear the opinion of a West Ham supporter, Mark, from the West Ham Way. We did an episode with him on Football Social Daily about a week or so ago. So just scroll down in the timeline through the episodes of Football Social Daily and you'll be able to find that a more in-depth perspective on what's going on behind the scenes at West Ham. And it does seem like it's a little bit up in the air right now. One more piece of transfer news to talk about before we move on. And that is that Fulham defender Tosin Adarabayo has chosen to sign for French club Monaco instead of Tottenham Hotspur. That's according to The Sun. Now, that's quite an interesting one for me because as good as Fulham were last season and as pleasant a club it is to play for, you still get to live in London. You're moving to a club who are going to be competing at the higher end of the table than Fulham, no disrespect to the Cottagers, but yet he's chosen to apply his trade in the south of France instead, Marley. Does Ange Postacoglu have enough at his disposal? And is this a bit of a blow that he's been turned down for a, uh, by a central defender heading into the new season? Uh no I I don't think so because Tosin's probably looked at those looked at the 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 um sort of proposal on the table and gone you're meant to be signing that is it Mickey Van der Ven from Wolfsburg mm. um you've also got you still got Romero still got Davinson Sanchez still got Dyer uh you're also meant to be signing Tapsoba from is it Leverkusen <laughs> um so he's probably just thinking where do I play like do I am I fourth choice centre back here or what like how many games do I play you're not in Europe it's it's less uh, attractive now and then Monaco have just sold Dizassi to um, Chelsea and it's like I can go in and replace him so you don't have to convince anyone to go and live in the south of France for a few you know, quite a few grand <laughs> a week no. you know what I mean I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be straight on there I'd be doing that th- scene out of uh, Wolf of Wall Street we're going to Monaco <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a different scene <laughs> no comment on that but yeah. not after my Margot Robbie comments in the previous <laughs> podcast so um, yes it's not it's not that hard is it to, to sort of turn down when you look look at it on paper like where am I going to play games Monaco I think Monaco are in Europe again aren't they as well yeah um, yeah it's it's an attractive proposition for him so 
Go and play. Okay, well, Tosin Adarabayo has chosen to sign for Monaco instead of Tottenham Hotspur, and that does us for the transfer news in this section. But next up, more transfer news coming from the Middle East after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe and that way you won't miss our Premier League prediction show for 2023-24. The new season starts on Friday and we'll be doing our best to figure out who we think is going to finish top of the pile, who's going down and all of the little bits in between as well. So hit subscribe and you won't miss that. But now we're going to talk about the latest Saudi transfer news. Before we do that, though, I wanted to talk to you about the Football League, which kicked off again this weekend. The Championship, League One and League Two, which are the... Uh, Second, third and fourth tiers of professional football in this country, respectively. They all started their campaigns on Saturday and all but two of those Football League fixtures exceeded 100 minutes as referees cracked down on what they call the ball in play time this season. In the Premier League, it's on average 55 minutes. The ball is in play. The lower you go down the leagues, that's actually less. You go down to League Two, 48 minutes ball in play time. So referees have been told this season to make sure that they get more ball in play time. They're a little bit stricter on added time. So we saw this approach in the World Cup with lots of added time. Quite a few people liked it. You a fan? I never forget when we were all watching the first England game in the office and we looked <laughs> at the clock and it was like 115 minutes and we all looked at each other in confusion thinking... Is this yeah. gone to extra time in the group stages? Yeah, because or? no one, no, no one was told, were they? Yeah, no one knew. No one. There was no communication to say there's going to be a bloody load of uh, things. So we watched it. It was like 13, 14, 15 <laughs> minutes. We were like, eh? We were all trying to cast our mind back, thinking, has someone gone down dead or something in this game? Because I don't remember anyone leaving the stadium in a stretcher. Um, I can understand, and I know Rafael Varane just released a statement about his concerns, and I'm sure a lot of this will always be the catalyst, I think, for other players to start getting behind it. I think they, wait, they were waiting for a player to come out to basically say the elephant in the room, which is that there's a lot of demands and there has been for quite a while now. You've seen, for example, Thibaut Courtois been very vocal about it. Kevin De Bruyne has been very vocal about it. Basically, the whole Belgian it's not, squad. It's not like, <laughs> not like Thibaut to have a moan, Christ. Yeah, I know, I know. But 
in my personal opinion, I think it works brilliantly in a tournament. But when it's a 60-game season, I do think there are some issues with it. And that's purely because we're going to probably see a lot of games. And we saw it in the World Cup, actually. When games were going to 110 minutes, it's almost like they lost count of just how many minutes needed to be added on more. Mm. So if there was a stoppage in those extra 10 minutes, the clock just kept going and it kept going and it kept going. And suddenly the players are kind of thinking... Well, where do you draw the line here? Like, how many, how much more minutes are we going to play? That's why sometimes I thought it was better to just have some kind of stop clock because then when it gets to ninety minutes, you know exactly we've done one, we've done ninety minutes of football technically, yeah. Yeah. and then a little bit over that, we know exactly it's like three minutes added time. That's why I can understand the grievances with with that uh, sometimes. Well, you talk about people having a moan. We've already mentioned Pep Guardiola. He's had a pop at the rule changes, as we'd expect. He says we weren't consulted. Isn't it harder for the smaller teams, though, with the smaller, weaker squads? I feel like you've got better fitness, I guess. I mean, but if the ball is only in play for 55 minutes of a Premier League game on average, which is the statistics that we've been given, then do you not think that it's fair enough that we've got more added time? Well, even still, I know it's technically 55 minutes, but even still with that, players were still having concerns of the fact that they were having too many games. So clearly it's not even just physical fatigue, it's mental fatigue at having to do 90 minutes of football. Now they're having to pretty much do 120 minutes technically, 110 minutes technically, but that's still 110 minutes on the pitch, still 110 minutes of mental fatigue, still 110 minutes of still walking around, running around, tackling you know it's not just black and white that but i it's it's hard because over 60 games i think when it gets to the last 20 games we're going to see so much burnout of players um if every single game is going to be like the one we've just seen it on the community shield i do like however i don't want to just keep battering the fa there was a great rule that i saw in the city game where if a player goes off, he has to wait 30 seconds on the byline. Yeah. I really like that. Because, Stop time wasting. Yeah, because a lot of players were bringing on the physio and they would wait and come straight back on because they were fine. And mm. now you have to wait for 30 seconds. I think yeah. that's an absolutely top rule. And that rule could be uh, offset by the one I said last week. Allow the physios on the pitch. It'd be fine. <laughs> Let them do it. But when, um, was it, it was Odegaard, wasn't it? He went off the field. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Lee Dixon on core commentary just sounded like an absolute dinosaur. Well, what's the point in that? Why has he got to wait? And then Matterface, which is probably the one good thing Matterface said in the whole 90 minutes, <laughs> was, uh, well, actually, it's a new directive from the FA to uh, to minimise time wasting. And then <laughs> Dixon was Dixon had already nailed his colours to the mask, so he was just like, nah, it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, he had to go and I was like, Lee, then. it's actually quite a good point. Like, think about it. But instead, he hadn't read his pre-match notes and, like, where the information would have been, and he's just gone, nah, it's rubbish, yeah. Well, we're going to see <laughs> more yellow cards. You sound like an old man shouting at a cloud. We're yeah, going to yeah. see more yellow cards for things like standing too close at a free kick, not getting your yards. I thought, I mean... And stuff like that to when, stop time-wasting, because effectively, that is all that is. That's time-wasting. There's no reason for anyone yeah. to stand too close at a free kick, unless you don't know what 10 yards is. And if you've played football for more than a week, you know how long that distance is. Yeah. Well, when Alvarez got booked for kicking the ball away, I thought that was that was harsh. Um, because he was dribbling it, wasn't he? He was like mm. dribbling. He got pulled up, and he just like flicked the ball two yards. He didn't hoof it or anything like that, and he got booked for it. And I was like, "Don't fancy that," because then you're gonna get at some point you're gonna get harsh second yellow, and your first yellow yeah. is for tapping the ball two yards. I just didn't, I didn't really like that. But we see this a lot at the start of, start of the season, don't we? Like these new initiatives, and they come in, and it's only a matter of a couple of months before. 
Mm. They either live or die, and well, usually they die. Do you reckon Jeff Stelling saw that this directive came in and was like, no, nah, I'm not getting paid for an extra half an hour of Soccer Saturday, so I'm off. <laughs> Definitely That's not me retiring. Yeah. Because Northampton against Stevenage in League One at the weekend was the longest match in the EFL. 112 minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah, it's getting rid- it's ridiculous, that though. Just what? What for? It used to be. Injuries, or was it just that bad? One of the rules used to be, didn't it? If a goal was scored, you'd add on a minute of celebration time onto the added time. Yeah. So now that's changed. So now it's like, if your celebration takes three minutes, you don't get a minute of added time at the end of the game. You get three minutes because that's how long the celebration took. And it's stuff like that. And if the ball goes out of the stand, or I mean, that's why they've brought multi-ball in as well in the Football League and the Premier League again this season. So if the ball goes out of play, you're not waiting for the crowd who are playing volleyball with each other, trying to throw it back. Just pick another one up off of a cone and away you go. Yeah, but so, then if you're in the crowd, you, as soon as the second on. ball comes on the pitch, you launch that ball straight on the pitch as far well, as you can. Well, what uh, Rafael Varane said in his statement is like what Marley's been saying about the emotional part of the game because he said, despite our previous feedbacks, they've recommended for next season longer games, more intensity and less emotion to be shown by players. I don't know if he means that he's gutted they're not going to be able to swear at referees like they could, <laughs> but I can understand his point as well where... You know, for example, managers are not really allowed to be as animated as they used to, which I'm in favour of, especially mm. in the Mikel Arteta area. But yeah, like, you know, little small incidences like kicking the ball away, for example, you know, a warning can suffice sometimes. It doesn't always have to be punishment, punishment all the time. Oh, Some- hang on. Also, if if you're introducing multi-ball and somebody kicks the ball away, aren't, aren't you coming up with a solution to your own rule? Like, if somebody kicks a ball away and then a ball boy chucks the second ball on, what does it matter that he's kicked the first ball away if you've got multi-ball? Do you know what I mean? This is what I mean. The ball boy just goes, there's another one. It's simple. (laughs) Yeah, It doesn't matter where he kicked it. As long as he didn't hit someone in the front row and it's kind of, you know, it could be seen as dangerous. I just hope these rules don't get really, like, robotic. You know, where it almost becomes... Well, they've started now. The VAR first came in, the robotic side first came in. Soon we'll have the referees going on chat GPT and saying, it's just kicked the player, but the player's gone down a little bit injured. Should I give him a yellow or a red? And then the guy will be like, yeah, you can do that. Here's three ways to define a challenge by a defender. Um, Can you guess the fewest amount of added minutes in the EFL this weekend across both halves? Oh, God. Middlesbrough against Millwall. Just eight minutes and 45 seconds across two halves. And that was the lowest? The lowest. That was the lowest time added on? Yes. Eight minutes. And 45 seconds. Yeah, these games are Jesus getting, Imagine Christ. the trains. That's what it is. So pretty it? much everyone played 100 minutes of, of, of a football yeah, game. All but two. That's all crazy. but two EFL games played 100 minutes That's or crazy. more. But this is, this Nobody is the needs thing. to see 98 minutes of Millwall kicking a football around. Oh, no <laughs> but this is the thing, you know, when we watch tournament <laughs> football and they go to 150 minutes and they're dead out on the feet. I know mm. we're saying they've only played 60 minutes of football technically but it's not that but everyone's used to the game being 90 minutes whether the ball's in play or not in play and actually another small thing that's changed if you do go to an EFL game this season or even a Premier League game normally when the clock hits 90 minutes the screen in the stadium will freeze on 90 minutes yeah now Mm. the clock will continue so if it says 98 minutes on the board that's how long it's been played. So there's no freezing of the there's clock gonna, or any so sort much of uncertainty over the time. It's going to be weird. The, the, uh, this is, I can already foresee it happening where a team is behind. It goes to 90 minutes. There's a stoppage halfway through. Gets to 112 minutes. 
They score in the 112th minute and everyone's saying, where the hell has that four minutes come from? Yeah. It's, I can already see it. seen it last year with Newcastle and yeah, Liverpool yeah. at Anfield. They've scored in the 98th minute. There should have only been seven minutes added on or something. It was just... Exactly. It well, Trossard's goal for Arsenal was the 101st minute yesterday in the Community Shield. So yeah, I and think it was eight, is, eight added on. That is a sign of but things then to come. went down injured. So, but the, <laughs> that's what we're saying though, isn't it? Like, Where did you draw what the line was, it? What was... Was it? I think it was a Kanji. Uh, might someone else. I don't know. Um, it who where where does that yeah. thing get added on? How long is it? You know. It's, well, where and do you, and where is, do you is draw it part the line of the game? Like, it's, it's yeah. Is it's a difficult? I think they're going to start. They're going to refine it quickly during the season. Well, we'll see soon enough. The first Premier League game of the campaign Friday: Burnley against Manchester City. Looking forward to that one. And Joel says, where do they draw the line with these added minutes? Well, where does Saudi Arabia draw the line with the sort of players that they're looking to chase to bring to their pro league? Because reports from the Middle East suggest that one of the clubs is set to offer Liverpool £50 million for Mohamed Salah and pay him £155 million over a two-year deal. It worked for Riyad Mahrez. Will it work for Salah? No. Don't know, don't know why. Don't know, literally don't know why. Uh, just can't see it. I can't. I don't think Salah's done. Is it too close to the start of the season? I think if this was a move yeah, that was talked probably. about a month ago, there might have been more legs. But Liverpool have had so much, like rebuilding to do to to then get the rebuild done and then sell your best player is foolish it, it? it seems it seems even though you could probably argue they've already got his replacement like if they on paper you've still got Gakpo Jota um, Nunes, Nunes yeah. and um, Diaz the other winger Luis Diaz so yeah. you've already got the, the the men to replace him but it's that psychological thing of like if you've if you've Address the biggest problem in your team, which is your midfield, is, is old and crap, you know, and you've replaced that with young lads who, who have the best years ahead of them. To then go and sell Salah is like, I've, I just, it's a bit too, it's a bit too backwards for me, like too many backwards steps there. So I can't see it, but I've said that about other players and they've, they've been tempted by the money. So I can't see it though with, uh, with Salah. Well, that is a report from Saudi Arabia that say that they're chasing Mo Salah. Mm. So if it's come from within the Saudi press, you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar that they are going to be going after him because he would be another huge high-profile name to have made the switch to the Saudi league. I mean, I thought Which at the time Riyad Mahrez al-Itihad. Itihad. But Riyad Mahrez, I thought, was the biggest, most high-profile departure from the Premier League. If Mo Salah goes, that's different again, isn't it? It's a different level of state as a player especially because he's from Egypt as well he's one of the best players in the world but his agent I think has just come out recently and just said he signed a new contract and they wouldn't have signed a new contract if they were just going to leave straight away but they'd be no matter what offer they received for Salah hypothetically even if it was like a hundred million offer I still think Liverpool would be stupid to accept it because when you look at his statistics even from last season got 19 goals and 12 assists in 38 games and that wasn't the greatest Liverpool side last season he's nowhere near done he's probably got another two or three top level years in his legs he's I only think. a year older than Harry Kane he's just turned 31 yeah and these these types of players they're absolute top level pros who look after themselves I mean Kevin De Bruyne another example is that he's what 33 and he, I think he's still got another three or four years in him 32 De Bruyne yeah is he, and, is he a year younger than me uh, sorry a day <laughs> younger than me and you Better than in Mali. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what but, might have been Mali, eh? If you were uh, born in Belgium, <laughs> a day apart. Started off in Genk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool would be stupid too. And like like Mali said as well, when you're losing the likes of Fabinho, Henderson, 
And then if you were to lose Salah, these are big personalities that you would lose in your side. And I don't think you can afford to do that, no matter what amount of money you get offered. Mm. Well, this will come as no shock to both of you, but the Daily Mirror say that next summer could be even bigger for Saudi transfers. Kevin De Bruyne, allegedly a key target. They're running quotes from what they call a Saudi league executive in the Daily Mirror today, who says more big Premier League stars will come. Budget is astronomical and the, the money is life-changing and that too many players and that a lot of players will find that offer too good to turn down. Yeah, they will. Uh, you'll see, you know, just the numbers that are getting thrown around. They're hard to turn down, especially if you're at that stage in your career where you're, you're probably 31, 32 and you're thinking, you know, I could do three years there and and then just pack it all in. Um the biggest worry, oh, yeah. though, is the players going in their peak. So, for example, yeah. Napoli are still toying with a 140 million offer for Victor Ossiman. Yeah. And personally, for me, I'd be devastated to see that because Same. he's the best player in Serie A by an absolute mile. And they need, Serie A need players like that to stay in the league. Yeah, but, but you know, but they need the money more because they're they all do. they're all on their ass with uh, financially. This is the issue, so they're always going to accept Weird. it. But you know, I see a lot of people having issues with this Saudi league okay aside from the fact that you know it's owned by the government the first four top clubs it's in essence no different to what the premier league does to yeah. everyone in europe is they, the they issue that it's just players. muscled its way in though joe yeah. is that what people are annoyed about they've just barged onto the scene because the saudi league's been around for years it's done a Michael yeah. richards hasn't it? it's years. literally burst onto the scene <laughs> and gone, gone for it yeah. but it's like i say the premier league bullies europe every single summer there's a re- if you look at La Liga, Bournemouth have spent more than the top, have spent more than Atletico Madrid this season. Yeah, but that's because of the, that's because of the revenue, though the revenue that the Premier League brings, because it's all a rollerball thing. But the the annoyance is that Saudi have come from nowhere and they've just got money. They haven't got history or prestige or anything like that. But the counter the counter to that is that um, you, they need to start somewhere. Everybody needs to start somewhere in terms of of history well, that's what the Premier League came from didn't it just the reformation in the 90s and suddenly yeah. all these big investors wanted to take over the clubs and that's how it snowballed it's in essence pr- I know it's not in, very different in terms of government taking over but yeah. you know th- this is an existential yeah, yeah. threat and you've just got to accept it for what it is but we are in a generation now where you meet certain people who do not support clubs they support players yeah. they'll support whoever Messi plays for or whoever Ronaldo plays for that's... and executives know that they're not stupid and there will be people now who support whatever team Cristiano Ronaldo plays for, whether that's Saudi League or whatever team Messi plays for, whether that's United States League. Mm. It doesn't really matter because you do have a generation of football fans, whether you call them casual fans, diehard, diehard fans, whatever, who will go and watch the product that their favourite superstar is playing in. Mm. And I think that we are going to see more of that as time goes on and you know the Saudi League have changed their season times so they will now play their campaign in line with European football so you know they've made adjustments to fit in with what they anticipate to be new eyes and new audiences on their product which is exactly what happened in the Premier League the Premier League built a strong product it was competitive anyone could be anyone and that is exactly why it got so many viewers from around the world and the Saudis would know that they would have looked at the model and thought that's something we can replicate or at least that's what they're trying to do they just need a big cash influx first, which thankfully for them, they've got. And the worrying thing is that it's sustainable. It's not like the Chinese one where the government was going to put an end to it. This is the government doing it. There's no end to it. They got they can't spend enough money. That's the worrying part. They're trying to spend as much as they can mm. in terms of investment. And they're not buying Cristiano Ronaldo to win trophies. 
They're buying Cristiano Ronaldo to absolutely raise the profile of the country, of the sport. And now, for example, he's in Sky Sports Air Saudi games. This is this is the result of it. Wow. They're going to get yeah. huge sponsorships, huge money coming in now, and that's what's going to make it even more sustainable because you're going to get big TV companies who want a slice of the pie because that's where the attention goes. Where the attention goes, yeah. the money flows. That's the that's what the world is. And there's an element of curiosity as well. There is, even from me. I genuinely want to see the likes of Alan and Sam Maximan and hmm. um, Riyad Mahrez and in attack. Obviously, I'm not going to watch every game because it's probably going to be really poor quality, but I mean, it's intriguing. Mm. It's a pretty interesting product. Yeah. It's, it's, there is intrigue around it and... You know where I don't know where it ends. Like like you said, Joel. There's, I mean, in China, there was a um, a time limit on it because I think I think it was the president or something said like it was tax thing. I think. He introduced yeah, and he was like businessmen need to go and get get football teams because we'll raise the profile of the country and we'll put it on the map. Yeah, and they were relaxing taxes the for tax- them. There was a lot of benefits, but they had yeah. they had a, a limit in terms of what success they could achieve. Yeah, they looked at it and thought, well, it's not beneficial. Yeah, pulled the plug. Yeah. Whereas now in Saudi, there is no plug, plug to pull. The only the only sort of way this Saudi thing ends is when it starts affecting the the price of like oil, like because because all the money's through oil. <laughs> We're getting deep in there. I know, yeah, but you, geopolitics. You, you have to though. You, ha- you have to. <laughs> That's what it's linked with, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's um, but their their vat of money is so deep that it doesn't even scratch the surface. Like seven hundred grand a year uh, a week to. Mbappe or whatever mm. it's, it's nothing well, how many barrels of oil is that it's, no, it's nothing it's nothing at all I was when I when I was going time. to the um, awards at the weekend I was in a taxi and the guy typical taxi driver uh, conversation of uh, holidays and he went I've just got back from Dubai because um, he's got family out there and I was like alright and he said it's he said the money's mental he said I went to um, a petrol station and for a 500 milliliter bottle of water it cost four uh, is it real? Oh, in, dirham, in, dirham, dirham, yes. dirham, Sorry, yes. Yeah. Um, in so that was two or four for for yeah. half a, half a liter of water, because you know because it was it's important. So that, that's eighty six p eighty six pence for a bottle of water. Yeah, or forty three pence for a liter of fuel. Yeah. So it's it's if literally only. it's four <laughs> times as 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 expensive. I think um, yeah. for. For water, then it's it not going for... anytime soon. The oil, I yeah, tell you that. I know, nowhere near soon. It's crazy, but that just sort of proves yeah. how much money there there is, you know. Well, that's it for today's oil social daily. You can join myself, Joel, <laughs> and football, <laughs> football social. Uh, later on this week, we'll be doing our Premier League predictions for the new season, which starts on Friday night. Can't wait! Now it's been a long time coming. It's been a long summer, but we're almost there. The curtain raiser of the new Premier League campaign. So why not hit subscribe? And that way, you won't miss all of our predictions. Joel, Marley, myself, and Jim will be laying down what we think will happen in the upcoming campaign. So hopefully, you can listen to that one. But for now, on Football Social Daily, that's it. We'll catch you next time. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.